You're listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lead Defend podcast. Today, it is Ryan and myself, and we've got a man named Daniel White. He's on Baptist, or on staff at Central Baptist Church I'm in Jonesboro. Baptist. He's on Baptist, baby. You got it all Anyway, we're going to be talking today about, about young people finding and getting plugged into the local church. So what are some things we're looking for? What are some things that young people are, are, are seeking to find? And then you as the young person, how do you find it? How do you get plugged in and, and be a part of the answer uh, to bringing young people into the church? And so uh, we'll start with this. Uh, Ryan, what... Uh, you're, you've gotten to, to join a church and not be on staff. So, yep. so Ryan, what were you looking for when you joined the, the local church? Uh, two things. So I was not engaged at that point, so I was looking for girls, mm. and I was looking <laughs> for community. And so uh, yes. let's be honest. I, you know, I was looking for people to date, and so if a church had a lot of young ladies, I'm like, ah, that's a benefit. So that helps out a pretty lot. shallow, but that's one of the things I was looking for. Hey, there's honesty on this podcast. I can we have a already. lot of honesty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Daniel, I know that you've always been on staff at churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you see young adults looking for in a church when they're looking for one? I think it starts with uh, relationships, obviously. Even though uh, I've been on staff at a church, I was really looking for an avenue for genuine, you can call them gospel-filled relationships of, of real uh, community in that aspect uh, between generations, honestly, because I, I knew that there were people in the church who had done things that I hadn't done uh, in a positive way, like they've been married faithfully for um, a number of years and uh, have I've loved people well, have reached uh, their co-workers with the gospel and I, I wanted I wanted to learn how to do that uh, and so I wanted to I wanted to be integrated into the community uh, of the local body of the church and I wanted people to care about my life and uh, I wanted to care about their lives I, I didn't want to just be a, a number you know I wanted to be actually involved um, in the community that was the first thing I was looking for oh yeah so I, you, you we keep saying the word but I really believe that this is what the, what we're all looking for. I believe high schoolers are looking for this. Yeah. I believe young adults are looking for this. I believe college students are looking for this. It's just that word community. My, my wife and I, we, we, uh, we've been married 10 years. We've got four kids. And when we were looking for a church, people were like, I guess you're going to go wherever the best children's ministry is. Yeah. And mm. I'm like, no, really, that's not what we're, that's not what we're about. Yeah. I wanted to know two main things when we were choosing a church. What is this church going to do in the community? Not yeah. in the church, but outside. What are we going to be doing missionally to those around us? And yeah. then secondly, was how are they going to foster community within? And yeah. that's that gospel, that gospel relationships that you're talking about. Yeah. Is Seth, I, wanted- I think I think you brought up a great point in that younger folks, millennials, Gen Z, uh, and, and whatever comes after Gen Z, whatever we're going to name them, yeah. they're looking to alphas, make a difference. They're called alphas. The alphas. Last I heard. Well, yeah. oh, okay. Yep. Alphas. You have some I think it'll change. Info I something? think that's going to change. Well, <laughs> hey, maybe we can we can name it right now. Yes. Can okay. we do that? Um, the Mud Dogs. Okay, the Mud Dogs. <laughs> so, so this next group, whoever it is, they, they want to be a part of something that's difference making. Yeah. Um, there are movements that are starting in yeah. high schools amongst young adults that are really unseen, and so 
Yeah. Uh, they want to be a part of something that makes a meaningful difference in their yeah. communities and their I mean, schools can, amongst their peers. You can peg it with just like the movement generation of like, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than just me. Yeah. You know, or, or another thing that really uh, caught my attention when, uh, or sparked a, a thought in my brain when you're talking, Seth, is um, is that influence community or just that community that was really involved and invested in your life. Like almost like you wanted to look out across the congregation and say, these are my people. You know, like not necessarily like they all care about me, but I care about these people. And, yes. you know, I, they care about me. It's a, that two-way street relationship of, um, and it doesn't have to be the place where it has the best children's ministry, the flashiest lights or the best YouTube channel. Like it's just the place where relationships happen and, and those happen uh, and are possible where people are present. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's not not necessarily the, the best building because a dying church can reside in a really good building. You know, but a growing church can really reside in the falling apart building. You know, honestly, oh, yeah. we're being real. But but that's that's the way it was always thought about, yeah. right? So previous to millennials, and even during the millennial like time of coming into the church, you know, churches always thought, well, we need we need nicer facilities, or yeah. or we need this or that. And and the truth is, churches still many times function that way. They think we got to do this or do that. When really, if we create communities within small groups or something like that. And if we go out and we reach the community that we're in, that draws in millennials yeah. and, and Gen Z. It okay. pulls us in. So so let me ask this question because, Seth, you said, let, let's say I'm a young adult looking for a place to connect. Seth, you said I'm not looking for a building, which I think is true. Yeah. And, Daniel, you said people are looking for other people like me. Yeah. And so I'm walking into a church, and how important is it to have other people my age in that church for me to connect? I think it's important on uh, on some levels, uh, and I want, this is going to be a longer answer, but uh, it's it's on levels because I think it's easier to be empathetic with people who are common like me. Like you're in the trenches, you have the same struggles, you have the same, you're a similar life stage than you, or, or you know, you just kind of connect. And, and I think the reason that is is it's it's harder for the generation in front of us to to reach down. But in the yeah. same way, it's harder for us to reach down or up to the next generation, depending on what side of the platform it, they, they, they're on. You know, if they're the generation above us, it's hard for me to, like, reach up and, and relate. You know, like, I don't have any kids yet. You know, um, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just a only child who has been married, like, two well, years. Well, just and, so you know, you know we so. did an episode on sex, so if... If you need some tips, Seth oh, okay. gave great tips on that episode. I love it. I love it. It's a, you know, like uh, the, my life stage I'm in, I'm young married, you know, like that's yeah. where that's where I'm sitting at. Uh, and so it's hard for me to reach up to kid, people who have, you know, three or four little kids running around the house and they have no time and they always have bags under their eyes, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. Seth, I'm, like tired, I'm, I'm looking at you right now. So, I'm tired. But um, in the same way, it's hard for me to reach down. And mm. so it's, I yeah. think when it, you're at a common life stage, it's easier to be empathetic. And I'm not saying that's an excuse on a lot of levels, uh, but it, you know, it starts there. I, I need community that's like me, um, that, that's striving after the similar things that, uh, but the gospel unites us all. You know, I, I would say that at a, at a core, you know, it's not all about just having people that are just like you. And I think the the healthiest congregations that I've ever been around are the ones that do have some young people in there with me, yeah. right? Yeah. But also have older, more mature believers who are willing to say, I'm going to get past the awkward and I'm going to yeah. reach down to these people that are where I used to be. Yeah. Okay. Because that's when it's healthiest. Like mm. in Titus chapter two, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, yeah. like the older, mature believers are required to train up the younger. Like that's mm -hmm. how God designed discipleship to take place. And so a healthy church is a church that has young people, but has older, older, more mature believers that are fully willing to say, this might be awkward at first, 
but I'm going to reach out to them. And so yeah. I think I think one of the things that drew me to my church is, man, our elders at our church, not just elderly, but our elders on, on like, they're not on staff paid, but they're just there. They would come up to us and talk to us and, and empathize. And, and Melody and I had an emergency not too long ago. And mm-hmm. there was an older couple in our church that just came to our house and watched my kids. Mm. And, and just that is the sign of a healthy church that attracts and draws young people. Like we're in this room yeah. right now full of pastors and staff members. And, and I know that's not who our audience is geared for. But right now they're in this room. And, and that's what what I hope that our churches catch hold of is we don't have to build the building. We don't have to do this. We have to teach our people to love young people. And I think at that point we'll draw them in and young people look for a church that loves on you, but also wants you to go out and do the same. They want to reach your, their community. So be a part of that church. And Seth, you mentioned it. We're actually recording live at the Arkansas Baptist state convention annual meeting. Uh, So of course, a lot of people in the room are pastors, church leaders. Um, and, And I think it's, interesting and important to note that a lot of young adults aren't naturally looking for a church. It's not the first thing on their radar. And and so I want to encourage you, those young adults that are listening to this podcast who are looking for a church, hey, keep at it. It is hard work, but meaningful work. So we've made a couple points. Number one, uh, you're looking for people your age that are in community that you can have community with. And then secondly, people that are older that can invest in you. Uh, that can kind of coach you along and and really champion your discipleship and your spiritual growth. Yeah. But I would also add in the aspect of, um, you know, I've never had in in my own life someone who was just older than me, excuse me, uh, but who just walked up to me and like, let me disciple you. You know, like I've never had that experience. And I know that's happened to some people, but not it never happened to me in my life. But really what happened in my life was, uh, when I was in college, I, I went to an older gentleman in our church and I said, hey, would you be willing to meet with me? Uh, and, and I didn't really call it disciple, but I said, yeah. like, let's talk about the Bible and life together. And uh, and he, he said, yes, because let's be honest, he, he was he knew that was something he, he was supposed to do. He didn't really know how to do it or how to go about doing that. And so I would encourage uh, young people who listen to this podcast, reach up in, yeah. the, in those ways of like, yeah. just look, identify that person in the church where you feel like, hey, if when I turn 40 or if it's 50 or 60, however, like I want to be like Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so yeah. and then affirm them in that, like, hey, you've got something going on that, that I would aspire to be one day and will you train me up and let's study the Bible together. And, and let's be honest, you're going to learn from each other, um, but that's also going to cultivate that heart of willingness and I think that's going to be great. Reach up yeah. in some ways. And discipleship doesn't have to be formal in that circumstance. Right. Absolutely. It just has to be relational where, yeah. where we are willing to cross these ge- these uh, generational barriers yeah. to be around each other and to, to be poured into. And then Ron and I have also talked about the idea that if you're young and in your church and uh, and, and there's no one else your age, don't don't see that as a, as a reason to flee. See it mm. as a reason to lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That you have an opportunity right there to be a catalyst for something uh, and something that could shake up the kingdom and shake up your church to, uh, to, to reach to a generation lower and, and be meaningful. I, I think we've talked about community a lot, but one of the sure ways to find community is to serve. Yeah. That, that when you're serving in a church, absolutely, you're in a community of people serving alongside you. And so, so Daniel, what are the pathways? Somebody looking to connect to a church, they come in. What are the easy pathways that they can find to serve? 
Um, I think on one aspect, the easiest spot to always serve in is uh, is children's ministry. I think most churches, no matter your size, they have uh, children's ministry. But you know, children's ministry isn't for everyone. But I would say that's a that's a good starting place um, in a lot of respects. But also, you know, like where you aspire to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Like wh- what avenues is that in, and how can you kind of lead change inside of that of um, of showing that. And, and when you come into a church, a lot, most churches aren't just going to let hand you the keys to the kingdom, you know. And so, you know, be respectful <laughs> yeah, in that aspect, you know. Nor should they. No, no. yeah, exactly. They shouldn't. Like, you're not just going to fly in and be like, hey, let's me, let me blow up some stuff like young adults do sometimes. And like, oh, my bad. And then let's leave and go find somewhere else to go. Like, yeah. they're not going to hand you the keys to the kingdom. So I think be respectful. Find the areas. Uh, and then just start taking ownership. Start planting seeds of like, hey, where would you like to see this? Um, grow in, in that aspect of community uh, and then bring others along with you in the journey. So, so Ryan, you mentioned that uh, just because there's not someone there that's your age, you know, yeah. bring someone along with you in the journey in the, sac- in the fact of like, hey, would you like to come to my church uh, and even, you know, serve with you? If it's, uh, if there's nobody holding doors open, nobody door greeting, like jump on that, you know, do that. Uh, take ownership and uh, and own it and, and then as you uh, are found faithful and uh, have the right heart and the right attitude of why you're doing what you're doing because you want to uh, be a part of this church. You want to be in the community. You want to serve it. Uh, and you realize that just you're just one piece in the puzzle. Uh, and then you're going to see respect in that aspect. Hopefully the senior leadership uh, of that church will start giving you more keys. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the janitors at the school, when I when I grew up, I used to remember that he had this big key ring, right? And he had like all the keys. He had like the keys to the kingdom, if you want to say it like that. And you always knew where he was because yes, it was jingling, like, down yeah, jingling down the hallway. Jingling down the hallway. And I think the, the <laughs> point in a lot of uh, churches is we've got a few people that are holding all the keys. Oh, wow. And yeah. uh, and then when you start passing them off, but it's also our responsibility to who's behind you that you're training up as well, no matter how old or young you are, who's behind you? Because the earlier yeah. you catch that, the more impactful and influential you'll be in, in building God's kingdom and pushing back darkness. In yeah, ways. unless Jesus comes back, someone's going to replace you. Yeah, absolutely. No, no matter what, yep. somebody will. Yeah. Um, I think one of the worst days... Uh, for the public school system was when they switched uh, access cards. Because oh, you yeah, couldn't no. hear the janitor come. I know. He's, he's, then, then he could creep around undetected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we've talked about serving. How, how do spiritual gifts play into that? Because I think a lot of young adults, students, they don't know where they're gifted. And so yeah. when they're like, children's ministry doesn't appeal to me, how important is it to know and discern your spiritual gifts as you're jumping into a church? Yeah, that's good. Um, I took a spiritual gifts inventory at a young age, like 13, 14 in my high school and junior high years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's amazing is, that, of course, they've changed over time. Yeah, uh-huh. Like God, God gifts you for what he's got for you. Yeah. But if you're at a young age, it doesn't mean that you don't have. He, if you're a believer, he's gifted you. And so, uh, you know, whether you're in high school right now, college, or you're a young adult, listen, God has gifted you to serve the church. They're not going to hand you the keys right away, and they shouldn't, right? (laughs) Dr. Sells was just on here, and he talked about how it took him, like, what, 25, 30 years to get to where he had dreamed he would one day be. Yeah, absolutely. And don't think that they should just give you the opportunity to do whatever it is. You're not going to be the young adult minister or teacher right off the bat. Absolutely. You need to be taking every little opportunity to prepare you, serving. Um, 
and and just just finding ways to, to get plugged in and to serve and to invite people. Yeah, I would jump in right there. You, you yeah. kind of you flesh this out in one ways, but I would say yeah. it's not about like who you want to be one day. It's yeah. who are you becoming like today. Like, what's the step yeah. of faithfulness that you're doing? That's a good. And word. I'll just you're add it. Spiritualize I'll just, what I was saying. Yeah. Thanks. So I, I would add into yours uh, when I was in high school and even like first in college, I used my spiritual gifts assessment as like my crutch. In a lot of ways, because yeah. uh, I found where I was like most gifted, and then the things I wasn't gifted in, I, I viewed those as like, oh, those are things I don't have to do. Oh, wow. You know, in a lot of yeah. ways, and and, uh, and, and God <laughs> really fair. taught me That's through good. that um, uh, with giving me the the beautiful gift of, of my wife, and I'll give her a so, shout out. Are you um, saying we all have to serve in children's ministry now? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> and so what uh, what what she. Um, what she taught me is my lowest spiritual gift is like hospitality and grace. Like I am just super harsh sometimes, uh, but like those are her highest. Like God really uh, showed me. And what he taught me is, is I'm not saying just marry where you're weak. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is I've, I've learned from looking at other people who are gifted in different ways than me and how I can learn from them. Because just because I'm low in my hospitality and my empathy with a lot of people doesn't mean I'm not supposed to be empathetic. You know, because yeah. Jesus, you know, he had compassion on the crowds and, and those who are hurting. And, um, and, and I'm supposed to be like Christ. And so uh, that's my goal. Uh, a second thing that I would add is uh, also on top of spiritual gifts is, uh, you know, there's a lot of great personality tests. And I'm a total millennial because I love the Enneagram. And what so, number are um, you? I'm a one. Heavy, okay. heavy. I'm a three. All the way. I'm a three. All, um, right. all right. My wife is I don't like, know what that means, but I'm a three. <laughs> you know. You just picked your favorite number. You don't even know what it means. <laughs> so, uh, but I would think in a lot of ways that uh, just your personality uh, plays a role in, too, like where you would be best suited yeah. um, in, in a lot of ways. You know, like yeah. I'm not very empathetic or hospitable. You know, like that means like I don't need to be running like the hospitality team at church. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's be honest. Like, I can learn from people like that. But that's not where the lane I need to run in. And if you're not empathetic or you don't have, like, a lot of grace or it's like, you know, I don't like those things, it's like, yeah, let me not do that. You know, like, okay, how has God frames you up in your who you are, who your personality is, and then how has he gifted you right now? And take those two tools and um, and then pursue that and, and walk in that direction and, and, and see how he shapes and changes. And just because... I think a lot of times in the church, uh, just in generalization, we think we sign up for things from now until Jesus comes back. You know, and that's not the case a lot of times. Just because you serve or you lead up like, hey, I'm running sound, like that doesn't mean you run sound now every day until Jesus comes back. You know, like it can evolve and it can change. And if you if you're growing people behind you and training them up in those roles, then your your role will evolve as well. You know, it'll it'll grow and it'll uh, flourish in those ways. That's well. good. So he said a couple things. Uh, when you're looking for a church, connecting to a church, community is important. Serving is important. And being part of something larger than yourself. And some helps to that is knowing what you're passionate about, what your yeah. personality is. Now, I, I want to spend, we got a couple minutes left. I want to spend some time talking about some things people think help connect us to yeah. church that really aren't that important. Yeah. Uh, I saw a thing, and uh, there was a joke, I guess, maybe, maybe yeah. not. I don't know. But where churches would bring in a bacon bar, right? The coffee mm. bar wasn't <laughs> enough, but now we're going to have the maple flavored bacon and this yep. bacon and oh, this bacon. Cool. I mean, that, I would hey, be that in, awesome. but I don't think that's why I would go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, it would just be like, oh, that's a gimmick, and I kind of see through that. I, I think a lot of churches have the idea that, oh, millennials, young adults only come for an incredible worship experience. The lights, the fog. Yeah. I'll be honest, that's exciting sometimes, but that is not the reason that I chose my church. Um, I think in a lot of ways that'll get that'll get a lot of people in the door once, 
yeah. but it won't keep them in like coming back. You know, like there's a lot of student ministries and stuff that like on their kickoff in August they'll give away an iPad. Like that'll get a lot of kids in the door one time, but that's not going to keep kids in the door. You know, coming every single week in the same way that uh, you know a lot of things seem gimmicky, as, you, mm. as Ryan, as you said. Um, well, because millennials and Gen Z have been sold to for for so long. They they know advertising, they know marketing, and that's not what draws them. And we're not going to outsell the world. Like, let's be real. Like they got more money. Wow. They, they got more flash, and they you got, just stole my thunder for so, a second. Because yeah. <laughs> were you right, going there, my bad? I was, bro. Because here's the idea, right? So whether it's performance or sales, like we will never, the church will never outdo the world, but the world can never out community the church. Yeah. And so, if people are longing for community, then they're gonna find that at the church if it's done well. If it's if that's the best place we'll ever find community is in a church. And when we were, I was sitting in a breakout in a, a conference I went to probably a year and a half ago with Brad Lomanak from Catalyst Ministries, you know, and he said the church needs to become progressively more analog because yeah. the world is becoming yeah. presently more digital top. Digital wow. You know, he, that's oh, what yeah. he said, and so I'm going to give him credit for that. Uh, but I that's think good. that's in a lot of ways. That's what we're saying, oh, yeah. Jesus-centered community. You know? Well, I mean, why are young adults seeking community so strongly? It's because all of the outlets that you would think they would find it on social media and things aren't satisfying yeah. their wow. soul. They're not wow. doing it enough social enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and so I, I think that if we narrow everything that we've talked about down to just a couple of statements, we've said... You're looking for a church. Find community and find commission, like a place where you can be commissioned and sent. You can serve. You can do something meaningful. Um, that's what young adults are looking for. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And so, uh, Daniel, thanks for coming on with us, man. Uh, that is it for this episode of the Lead Defend podcast. Come and join us at Lead Defend Leap Day 2020. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be hype. We've got Ravi Zacharias coming in to speak to oh. everyone. And so come and join us at which church, Ryan? It is at Emmanuel Baptist in Little Rock. Daniel's going to be there. It's going to be yep. a party. I don't know if you are, but now you're obligated. <laughs> now you have you to be there now, Daniel. Right. So. Then I'm going to just go ahead and make a promise that Ryan and I will both be wearing jerseys at the event. Okay. <laughs> My Steelers are not doing very well right now, so I may be too embarrassed at that point. All right. Well, hey, everybody, listen in next time, two weeks from now, the next episode of the Lead Defend podcast. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. Do you want to grow deeper in your walk with Christ? Then the Lead Defend Conference is for you. It takes place on February the 29th at the Amanda Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. This year we have dynamic speakers like Robbie Zacharias to bring us words of wisdom and encouragement in a broken and run-down world. The cost is $30, and you can register online at www.leaddefend.org or talk with your BCM director or youth minister at your church. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.